Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, may the Lord give you his peace. Amen. Back in 1988, I had the chance to visit Colorado Springs, where there is a mountain called Pikes Peak. Maybe you've been there. As part of the tour, we went spelunking. Spelunking, in case you don't know, is the official name for exploring caves. Caves, of course, are dark and dangerous. So each spelunker had a flashlight. This little bit of light enabled us to proceed with relative safety. At one point, however, our tour guide had us gather around inside some deep crevice of the cave, at which point he had us all turn off our flashlights. Immediately, the cave was dark, really dark. The guide then proceeded to explain that what we were all experiencing is called absolute darkness, meaning that there is no light at all in that cave, not even the merest hint of light. It was absolute darkness. The guide explained that if we were to remain in absolute darkness too long, we would actually lose the ability to see altogether. A few years later, in pre-theology, I studied, as all seminarians do, what is called metaphysics. Essentially, metaphysics is the study of what underlies all being. As I studied metaphysics, my experience of absolute darkness in that cave upon Pike's Peak came back into my mind. What I realized is that some things we tend to think of as existing, in fact, don't exist at all. Darkness is one such reality. Technically, darkness does not exist. That is not to say darkness is not real. Darkness is merely a deprivation. It is the absence of light. In other words, darkness is the lack of there being light. Darkness is how it was in the beginning. There was nothing. Absolute darkness. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. The darkness of nothingness was destroyed by the light. So from the beginning of human history, there has never been a need to be afraid of the dark because God has promised to send us his saving light. To be clear, that first light declared by the Father at the dawn of creation was not, was not what we normally think of as light, the sort of light that comes from the sun and makes it possible for us to see with our eyes. Sunlight, in fact, was not declared into being by God until the fourth day, according to Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 to 19, when God actually created the sun, along with the moon and some other things in the sky. What then was this first 
primordial light? Or better, who was this first light? In the Christmas readings for Christmas Day, there's a variety of readings that we can choose from, but I'm choosing this reading from Christmas Day, which is slightly different than the one we're using tonight for the Gospel. But for the reading for Christmas Day, St. John the Apostle calls to mind for us this primordial light, which is the necessary source for all other light, being, and life. And I quote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him. Now St. John goes on to say, And the Word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We saw his glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. St. John could just as well have said, And the light the light became flesh. For the evangelist recalls for us in John chapter 8, verse 12, that Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus reiterates the same point, that he is the light of the world, later on in John chapter 9, verse 5. Now going back to John chapter 3, or chapter 1 rather, we saw his glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, says St. John. We saw the light of Jesus' divinity shining through the incarnate veil of Jesus, who was conceived in Mary's virginal womb to share in our humanity, and born to share our human experience in all things but sin. This was our Almighty Father's plan from before he created a, created a single atom, from before he created anything at all, or caused what we come to call the Big Bang. This is the same plan foretold for us by the prophet Isaiah in the first reading tonight, who declares that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those who dwelt in the land of gloom, a light has shone. You have brought them abundant joy. This is the same plan announced in St. Luke's Gospel to the Virgin Mary, she who the Archangel Gabriel identifies as full of grace, that the Virgin shall be with child, whose name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the same plan that never would have been if not for that same Immaculate Virgin's wholehearted response, be it done unto me according to thy word. At which point 
the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Emmanuel, God with us. First as a single cell in the darkness of Mary's virginal womb. Nine months later, he was born into the darkness of first century Palestine, with Herod out for his blood, homeless, poor, and in exile. In other words, Jesus was born into the hot mess, dark world of problems, not unlike ours. Why? Why? To reassure us in our times of darkness that God is with us. Jesus is with us as our light, our hope. Jesus is with us as our Savior. Jesus, just as in the beginning, God overcame the darkness by declaring, let there be light, and darkness could not long prevail. So as I already pointed out, from the very beginning of human history, there has never been a need for us to be afraid of the dark, no matter how dark it is, even when it seems absolute, because God has promised to send us his saving light who we celebrate each Christmas as Emmanuel, God with us. In God's all-wise plan, Jesus Christ is the light of the world who in the end always conquers the world's darkness. I don't know about you, but as Christmas grew closer and closer this year, things felt a bit different than in past years. This Christmas would just be different, plain and simple. Different from my adult celebrations with family, fine food and friendships. Now we have to social distance and not even visit some loved ones in some cases. And most certainly different from the Christmas of my childhood, memories full of great excitement and great anticipation. Yes, the days leading up to Christmas 2020 felt quite different and darker. The pandemic is taking its toll. The many drastic measures we've all had to endure and cooperate with to protect ourselves and our loved ones is taking its toll. Social and now political unrest is taking its toll. You see, as Christians, and doubly so for us priests, we know well that Christmas is, to quote St. Luke the Evangelist, a season of great joy for all the people. But it can be quite difficult right now, even for this typically optimistic priest, to find the joy. As 2020 now quickly wanes into the annals of history, it is much easier to relate to the words of Isaiah the prophet, the people who walked in darkness. So where then can we find joy these days? How can we see the light, see the light of Christ? Well, there were two hints in the readings. In Isaiah, there was a promise of a child that would come, a wonder counselor, a marvelous child to be the hope and savior of the world. 
And of course, in the gospel, we're promised a child, an infant, wrapped in swaddling cloths that we celebrate as Emmanuel, God with us tonight. In a few months, I expect to meet and baptize many of what I call corona babies. Each one is a spark of renewed hope, a reminder that God came to us in darkness as a newborn baby to save us. They may not be the light of the world, but when I was in absolute darkness in Pikes Peak, I didn't need a whole lot of light. All I needed was a little flashlight. And each of these little newborns are like flashlights that remind us of the greater light who is the savior of the world. I want to conclude my thoughts this evening by sharing with you an experience I had in Sudan when I was living there for Christmas in 2010, 10 years ago now. It was kind of a dark Christmas in its own way as well. Sudan is a very poor country, very desperate in many ways, riddled with wars for many years, even to this day has its troubles. So that particular Christmas, I was going to spend at an orphanage with some other missionaries who I had met with my confreres, and we were going to have a nice meal together and what have you. And things were a little bit delayed. So we were wondering why the truck that had been transporting some of our provisions hadn't arrived yet. Well, it turns out when we arrived, when he did arrive, he explained to us that he got detained at the border between Kenya and Sudan. There's a, about a 25-mile pass through that you've got to go through called No Man's Land, which literally is No Man's Land. It doesn't belong to Sudan. It doesn't belong to Kenya. It basically is overrun by bandits. You come on the other side of that, and you're at the border. And there they found a young child who had been abandoned. We don't exactly know why, but perhaps his parents died of HIV or through the war or through some other malnutrition or whatever, sickness, malaria. We don't really know, but this young kid of about seven years old was there all by himself. And the guards had found him. Sometimes the guards get a bad rap, you know, when they're doing their job. But they found this boy, and they knew that the provisions were, were, were coming through from this orphanage. They could identify with that. And so they made a connection with this van, and they gave the boy to the van. They said, you have an orphanage. Take the boy. See what you can do for him. So they show up at the camp of the orphanage, and here's this little boy, and he's taken into this orphanage. We get to meet this little boy who didn't speak too much English, but we asked him what his name was. And you know what his name was? Emmanuel, God with us, delivered on Christmas Day. A glimmer of light and hope in the darkness. So my dear brothers and sisters, it may seem dark at times these days in our world around us, but I invite you, and Christ himself invites you, to not lose hope in the light, to look for glimmers, sparks of light, sparks of hope, even in the darkness, even in the desperation, even in the difficulties that we face these days. Not only are we invited to perceive the light around us, but to be the light of Christ. Because Jesus doesn't only say, I am the light of the world. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, you 
also, as Christians, and I, as priests, are called to be the light of the world, bringing Emmanuel, God, with us wherever we go. Amen.